You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Review Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm Gus Edwards and welcome to the Retro Wrestling Reviews Podcast. On today's show, we'll be reviewing not only Mid-Atlantic Wrestling from the 12th of December 1981, but also Mid-South Wrestling from the same date. If you're new to the podcast, for the last couple of months we've been reviewing Mid-Atlantic Wrestling from the WWE Network, and now that Mid-South is on there from the same period, we're adding this to the weekly reviews. When we hit January 1982, we'll also be adding in World Class Championship Wrestling into the mix as well. We're also going to decide which show was better each week as well. If you're enjoying these shows, then please subscribe, leave a review and tell a friend. Let's get on with today's show. Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, 12th of December 1981. Bob Coddle and David Crocker open the show as usual, running down the card. We'll see Ricky Steamboat, Ivan Koloff, Sergeant Slaughter and Jim Nelson in tag action, along with hearing from Ray Stevens. Slaughter and Nelson come out. Slaughter has $1,000, which is going to go to any wrestler who's able to break the Cobra Clutch. Before the first match, I want to talk about the tournament that has been built up for weeks, where the prize is a $17,000 Cadillac. That tournament happened in between the last show and this show in Greensboro, North Carolina, but they don't talk about the results on this show. So I'm going to give you quick results of that show now. This information is coming from whenitwascool.com, which is a great resource for all wrestling history. So I want to give them a quick shout out for their help with the results. So that night at the Greensboro Coliseum, Jake Roberts won the tournament to win the Cadillac. The participants included Greg Valentine, Ivan Koloff, Angelo Mosca, Blackjack Mulligan Jr., Ricky Steamboat, Roddy Piper, Sergeant Slaughter and Wahoo McDaniel. Also on that show, we had the NWA World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair defeating Ole Anderson in a steel cage match, and also a lights out match between Blackjack Mulligan and Big John Studd, and they went to a double DQ. The first match is Charlie Fulton against Ricky Steamboat. Sandy Scott comes out onto the commentary desk and he talks about Slaughter's $1,000 challenge but he doesn't really add anything to it. This might be the most boring match you'll ever see Ricky Steamboat in, as he's just working headlocks the whole time. I think he knows that for most of this match that Sandy Scott and the commentators are going to be talking about um, the Cobra Clutch Challenge, so he doesn't really want to do anything in the match. Steamboat starts working over the arm and he gets a submission win with a double chicken wing. This just went far too long. Back from the break, and it's a TV title match between the champion, Ivan Koloff, and Jim Gray. It's always weird to see job guys getting title matches. Gray's not really the best wrestler, to be honest. At one point, Koloff throws Gray through the ropes, but he can't take the bump correctly and he nearly breaks his neck. Koloff then puts Gray in the front face lock and he threatens to break Gray's neck, which is ironic since Gray nearly broke his own neck taking that bump. Koloff gets a win with a knee off the top rope. We go to a segment hyping up upcoming house shows. 
including one that is featuring a tag team match between Gene Anderson and Ninja against Johnny Weaver and Ray Stevens. Anderson and Ninja are interviewed, but only Gene talks and he doesn't really say anything. Roddy Piper is next, talking about his match with Ricky Steamboat. It's a typically great Piper promo, and I'm going to play it for you now. I scare Flair. (laughs) Wahoo McDaniels crumbles at the mere mention of my name. People run and flee when I walk down the street, Mr. Ricky Steamboat. Everybody that I've ever fought my whole life fears Roddy Piper. Except you. What's wrong with you, huh? So your parents build you a swing face in a wall when you were a kid? Is that what the problem is, huh? Don't you know that when you fight me, you're risking your entire career? And you pick a spot like Marion, because you think, you think if you get me away all by myself, away from my friends, that you're going to be able to do some kind of damage. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Mr. Ricky Steve. I didn't get where I am by being stupid. <laughs> Nuts, yes. I didn't get where I am by being stupid, Mr. Ricky Steamboat. I'm not going to get to Marion on my own. I'm going to have plenty of friends. <laughs> oh, yes, I know you're crying and weeping, because <laughs> I got the title. <laughs> you're crying and saying, please give me a title shot. If I win and Marion, would you give me a title shot? And they say yes. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Ricky Steamboat. You win some, and you lose some. Just excellent from Piper. He's probably my favourite promo guy ever. I mean, um, Steve Austin. Back to the desk with David and Bob, and they talk about Ole Anderson and Roddy Piper, saying that Ray Stevens can't be trusted, but they have a tape to show that he might actually be trustworthy. The tape was a match between Ricky Steamboat and Mike Prater. Piper comes out and him and Steamboat start John back and forth. Piper jumps Steamboat and Ole Anderson runs in to make it two on one. Of course, Ray Stevens comes in for the save and cleans house. We then go back to the ring and it's Ray Stevens against Mike Prater. Two Mike Prater matches in a row. What luck we have this week. Thankfully, this match doesn't last that long as Stevens destroys Prater with a pile driver. Now, Stevens is with Bob Coddle for an interview. He says a lot of wrestlers don't like him because of the way he wrestles and he accepts that, but he is a man of his word. If he says he's going to break someone's legs, then he's going to do that. If he says he'll watch someone's back, then he will. And if he says he's going to be someone's partner, then he'll be there. He then makes a comment about Gene Anderson's flinching, saying that Ole Anderson caused that by sacrificing him, and he wasn't going to let that happen to him. He tells Ole if he wants the tag title back, then to come take it from him. We go to the ring, and it's handsome Jimmy Valiant against Mike Miller. Valiant is just non-stop noise and movement. Even with a hammer lock on Miller, he's just saying, just talking, saying, I can beat him at any time. Valiant is just the perfect undercard babyface. Jimmy wins with an elbow drop. Back to the house show hype. These shows are in February, so quite a while away. Johnny Weaver is there to talk about his tag match with Ray Stevens against Gene Anderson and Ninja. Ricky Steamboat's next, talking about his match with Roddy Piper. I'm actually going to play this interview just for Steamboat's impression of Piper. In the squared circle against Roddy Piper. That's correct, Ken. You know, ever since Roddy Piper's come into this area, I've got to say I've never seen any one person in all my life talk about himself as the way Roddy Piper does. 
I mean, this guy doesn't even get up here and talk about the weather. He doesn't get up here and talk about girls. He doesn't get up here and talk about partying. He doesn't get up here and talk about nothing but himself. He says that when he talks, though, everybody listens. Like when R.P. talks, everybody listens. And he can't help it because he gets up and he tells that. He just lays down. I'm just a freak of nature. I can't help it. Well, time and time again, Piper, you know that I've gotten on TV and I've issued challenges out to you to wrestle you for that belt. And you say, why did I pick Marion? Well, it doesn't matter where I have to go to wrestle you. I'll go anywhere. But the point that I want to get across, that it doesn't matter where we have to go or what we're going to eventually do. I just want to get a piece of you. Back to the ring and it's Sergeant Slaughter, the United States champion teaming with Private Jim Nelson to take on Larry Hamilton and Tony Anthony. Sarge is with the announcers and he's letting Nelson go two on one. Jay Youngblood comes out and he wants to take the $1,000 challenge. Sarge isn't keen on that though, so he heads to the ring to help out Nelson. Anthony and Hamilton actually get some offence in this match, but in the end, Slaughter puts on the Cobra Clutch on Anthony for the win. Youngblood is still out there wanting Sarge to put the Cobra Clutch on him. Sarge says no because he's just wrestled and that Youngblood's already had his chance. Sandy Scott comes out and he tells Slaughter to get in the ring because he's signed an open challenge contract. So Slaughter and Youngblood get in the ring. The crowd's going proper wild for this. I've never actually seen them so loud. Slaughter just keeps stalling and stalling. Like he's going to put the Cobra Clutch on him. Before he puts it on, he just lets it go. And he does that a couple of times. And then we hear that there's like a minute left. There's 30 seconds left. So Slaughter keeps stalling and then he gets out of time. Uh, sorry, he gets out of the ring and then he heads to the announcers and says, oh, there's not enough time in the show um, to do this. So that's the end of the show. It's a decent show. There's not many times that I'll say that the most boring part of a show is a Ricky Steamboat match, but it is what it is. The angle at the end with Slaughter and Youngblood was really heated. Before we go to the Mid-South review, I want to talk to you about our Tuesday podcast. Every week on Tuesday, we review a listener-requested show. This past week, we reviewed SummerSlam 1994. And in the past, we've reviewed shows such as WrestleWar 89, the big event from 1986, and the Battle Royal from the Royal Albert Hall, along with many others. If you've missed any of those shows, you can catch them in the archives. If you want a particular show reviewed, then email me at retroreviews at hotmail.com. This coming Tuesday, we will be reviewing Saturday night's main event from May 1989, featuring a cage match between Hulk Hogan and the Big Boss Man for the WWF title, Rick Rude defends his Intercontinental title, Demolition Defender tag team titles, and also in action is the Macho Man Randy Savage. Now on with the Mid-South Review. Mid-South Wrestling, 12th of December 1981. When all the territories went up on the network years ago, I watched them all. Not in order as I'm doing here, because they all went up at different times, but the one that I enjoyed the most was definitely Mid-South. I'd heard for years about how good this was, and while there are some poor periods, most of what's on the network is excellent, so I'm really looking forward to going through this again. The show opens up with our commentators for this week, Boyd Pierce and Ernie Ladd. If you've watched myself before, you know all about Boyd Pierce. 
He goes between commentating and ring announcing, but he's most famous for all these crazy, wacky show suits that he wears. This week he's got this black and white sparkly suit which is patterned like a Dalmatian. Ernie Ladd, of course, is one of the all-time greats. The best thing about Ladd here is, without saying a word, you could tell two things. Number one, just by his look and mannerisms, you could tell that he's a heel. The other thing, he carries himself as a man you would want to mess with. You're able to see that within five seconds of him being on the screen. Pierce runs down the card tonight and mentions that there's three weeks left for fans to vote on a dream match they want to see on TV in early January. Reeser Bowden is a ring announcer and he introduces a match between the Monk and Brian Blair. The Monk is someone I don't recognise, he's like a shrunken Eric Rowan. Brian Blair had his most famous run in the 80s as part of the Killer Bees tag team with Jim Brunzel. Blair is now the president of the Cauliflower Alley Club, which does great work in helping out old wrestlers. Blair's had a really bad year in his personal life and I just want to give him a shout out here and let him know what he does with the CSA is really appreciated. This is a showcase for Blair and he gets a monk in an abdominal stretch which he turns into a cradle for a three count. Next match is King Cobra against Tom Renesto Jr. Renesto Jr. is the son of Tom Renesto of the Assassins tag team with Jody Hamilton. King Cobra was a veteran who's been around a few territories, mainly Memphis. Mid-South is a very wrestling-based territory. It's the Bill Watts style of working a body part, and you really see that in the first two matches. Cobra gets a win with a jumping headbutt. There's not much promo time on this show, it's just straight back to the ring. The next match is Ed Wiskoski against Jimmy Garvin. Wiskoski is probably more famously known as Colonel De Beers in the AWA, who was a very controversial figure. He did a pro-apartheid gimmick during the height of the fragile political climate in South Africa. Garvin, of course, became a big star in the 80s with his valley sunshine that he signed before he replaces her with his wife Precious. At his peak, Garvin was an excellent heel in the world class in Dallas as well as in Jim Crockett promotions. He also had a run in the early 90s with Michael Hayes as the Fabulous Freebirds before retiring to become a pilot. For our British listeners, Garvin here looks like a buffed up Bobby Ball. A back and forth match here and Wiskowski wins with a gut buster. Boyd Pierce sends us to a video of last week in a match between the Junkyard Dog and Terry Orndorff. Paul Orndorff comes out and he attacks JYD. Terry puts something in his mask and he headbutts JYD. In the melee, JYD gets DQ'd for throwing Terry Orndorff over the top rope. Tag team match next and it's Junkyard Dog and Mike George against Jerry Novak and Arn Holt. Dog is by far the biggest star of all time in Mid-South Wrestling. He's in great shape here too. Anyone who saw Dog in the WWF in the mid-80s wouldn't believe the shape that he's in. This match doesn't last long. Breaks down into a four-way pretty much from the start and JYD hits a power slam on Holt for the win. Judging by the way Holt ran the ropes, there's probably a good thing this was kept short. The next match is the Iron Sheik out there with Skandar Akbar against Buddy Ryan. The Sheik is another one that's in incredible shape. 
We saw him in the late 80s and early 90s on some of our bonus episodes recently, where he's been pretty immobile, but not here. Boyd Pierce randomly points out that the Sheik's curved toes on his boots are for kicking camels in the desert. No further information is given on that. The Sheik wins with a high German suplex that drops Ryan right on the back of his neck. Next up is an interested match. It's Diamond Lil and Rick Ferrara against Barbie Doll and Tony Channels. Not only is this a mixed tag team match, but the ladies are little person wrestlers. This is called Little Girls and the Big Men. Rick Ferrara isn't the biggest guy in the world, so he almost looks like he should be classed as a little person. Barbie Doll and Tony Charles get the win with a roll-up on Diamond Lil. Not much to see here, but it's possibly the most random book match I've seen in a while. Main event time, and it's Paul Orndorff against Ted DiBiase. DiBiase is a North American champion here, but this is a non-title match. Seeing a clean-cut baby-faced Ted DiBiase is always strange. This is a great match though. Fast moving, all action. By far the best match on the show and better than anything on Mid-Atlantic this week. DiBiase eventually gets Orndorff in a figure four leg lock and they talk about how nobody has ever broken this hold. But Orndorff manages to turn the hold over. DiBiase is fighting this and fighting this and the crowd's behind him and we get the countdown that there's a minute left in the show and he's holding on and then there's less than 30 seconds and he's still holding on, still holding on, the crowd's right behind him and then the match ends in a time limit draw and we fade to black. This was a much different show than Mid-Atlantic. Everything happened in the ring, there was no promos at all. I like the way they do commentary here though, as Boyd Pierce basically just does all the links and then Ernie Ladd does most of the talking. This allows the wrestler to get his character over. I would give the head-to-head win to Mid-South this week, mainly due to the Orndorff-DiBiase match. While it was short and had a non-finish, it was head and shoulders above anything else we saw this week. Hopefully we'll see them again in action soon. The promos were obviously better on Mid-Atlantic though, so it's good to see two differently booked shows. Let me know what you think was a better show. Next Sunday we'll be back again with a double header of Mid-Atlantic and Mid-South. We will see Sergeant Slaughter, Jake Roberts, Terry Taylor, Jimmy Valiant and Billy Robinson amongst others on Mid-Atlantic. And on Mid-South we'll see Paul Ellering, Bob Orton Jr and Paul Orndorff in tag team action along with the Junkyard Dog, Bob Roop and the Iron Sheik. And also remember on Tuesday on our bonus episode, we'll be watching the Saturday night's main event from May 1989, featuring Hulk Hogan in a steel cage against the big boss man, along with Rick Rude, Randy Savage, Demolition and more. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, leave a review and tell a friend. Take care of yourself and I'll talk to you again soon.